What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with Mike and Vito. Let's take a moment real quick, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Uh, before we get started, we have a very special guest on the show today, our first return guest. Uh, he's a writer for SBI, covering the MLS, United States men's national team, European teams abroad. Please welcome back Larry Henry. Setting multiple records. First guest ever, first return guest ever. Man, I'm going to be on the Hall of Fame on this uh, (laughs) couple months. What's up, guys? Uh, Thanks a lot for having me again. Uh, Pleasure to be back and uh, excited to talk some U.S. men's national team. Big week coming up. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, For anyone that might have missed the first show, they want to give us a little background about yourself real quick again. Yeah, so uh, obviously some things have changed a little bit, but uh, back at SBI Soccer, where um, you know I've been for over four years now, uh, covering Americans abroad, U.S. Men's National Team, MLS, um, playoffs right around the corner, so a lot going on there, and um, and then also uh, some other stuff going on. Fox Sports, The Gambler in Philadelphia. So if you're a, if you're a hockey fan or a, you know Union fan, uh, always on there talking about some stuff. Uh, try to talk about the NFL a little bit, but. Mainly, it's just me uh, complaining about the Eagles offense. So I feel that personally, too. Don't worry. So, uh, or Nick Sirianni's, uh, you know, uh, lack of ability to run the ball. But, uh, hey, I mean, it's, it happens. You win your – we got our Super Bowl. So, you know, I guess I could look at that. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's forget about that. <laughs> Relax there. You like the evil dynasty. Calm down. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's hop right into the U.S. stuff, though, man. We got a lot to cover. Uh, both windows had a lot of controversy. Just everything that you know, the way it started and the way we finished at each window seems like a completely different tone. What was your take on the first two windows going and leading up into the third? Well, I mean, looking at the first window, um, obviously, probably some disappointment there, right? I mean, when you look at the games they played, El Salvador, uh, a game you probably look at the U.S. should be winning. Um, yes, there's a lot of guys making their competitive debuts in qualifying uh, that game. So to get away uh, with a point on the road, I, you know, was a good result. Um, but maybe some points left on the board. Um, the one-one draw with Canada, I thought, was again a little disappointing because in qualifying you should be winning your home games no matter who you're going up against. Um, they did get a point against a good Canada side, so again, I don't think it was. You know, it's not the end of the world. There's still a lot of games left to play, um, and then obviously to get the, uh, you know, uh, against uh, the win, uh, the win against uh, Panama. Um, you know, that was obviously – or no, the loss against Panama, right? <laughs> yeah, lost. Oh, yeah. I was going to wait to correct you. I was going to let you finish. Yeah, so, sorry. And obviously, it's two months ago now. It's, like, kind of out of my mind. But uh, that's how bad the game was. I didn't want to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, the loss against Panama, obviously, nobody expected that. Um, the fact that, you know, they didn't really show much offensively, uh, I think, in the whole window was worrying – um, but to be able to bounce back in October and, you know, get some, mm-hmm. get some results there, the Honduras result, obviously, um, yep. you know, was huge. Uh, and then also, uh, the Costa Rica game, which I was at, um, again, another important win, uh, that being on home soil. So, um, bigger steps, obviously in the October window than the September window, still some points dropped, but sitting, 
in second place going into this window now where there's only two matches. Obviously, this week against Mexico is huge. Big rivalry as always. Um, a win would see the U.S. tied with them on 14 points. Uh, and then a quick turnaround because you got Jamaica away uh, next Monday, which you have a Jamaica team now who just picked up their first win in qualifying. Uh, one, two, and three overall. And um, obviously, you know, there's there's been a lot of moving and shaking. Uh, seems like every match day, you know, you can kind of rise or fall um, with a result. So big, big matches coming up. But overall, I think they've done, the U.S. has done well to, you know, set themselves up for another big window here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's no question about it. Uh, USA-Mexico on Friday is by far the biggest game of the qualifying so far for this team. Um, when you looked at that, that lineup that, that, you know, came out and I don't know if you had a chance to see what the Mexico lineup looked like as well, but what do you think about your, the chances of this team going into a game against this, a somewhat veteran and seasoned Mexico team? Well, I mean, it's always going to be tough, right? I mean, it, there's a lot, obviously a lot of, uh, you know, history in this rivalry. Um, you have a Mexico team now who has lost to the U.S. in back-to-back -back tournaments, um, losing the Gold Cup and the Nations League. So obviously, you know, revenge is a little bit on their mind. But they know they're in the driver, driver's seat in qualifying right now with 14 points. Um, again, this is also, you know, a huge game for Mexico too, because obviously they're going to be have to play some, some home games, uh, the next two home games without fans. Um, after FIFA handed down that ban, uh, you know, with no fans. So, um, so this is a big game obviously for the U S but I think it's also crucial for Mexico because they know, um, you know, I think again, the fans obviously play a big part in this and to play in an empty stadium for two games, um, uh, is tough, especially when probably Estadio Azteca is, you know, one of the most demanding, uh, you know, hostile environments there is. Uh, so, but I think looking at it, um, the U.S. has done well to get themselves in this situation. Yes, there's still some, maybe some, some players out of the, the squad, whether it's injury, whether it's form or so be it. But um, I still think this U.S. team right now um, with the guys coming in, some guys coming in on really good form, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams being a few, Christian Pulisic back now from his injury. So hopefully he can, um, you know, stay injury free uh, and play a big part in this. Uh, I, I still expect them to, to get a result at home, knowing that they're at home. And again, they kind of have the upper hand on Mexico uh, in the more recent matchups uh, over the summer. What do you guys think, you know, Pulisic in particular, because obviously he's a major talking point. Does he immediately get put into that team or does Greg slowly put build him in and maybe use like a way Aronson type of, you know, wing system or even an areola? Because I'm not sure if like Greg, obviously he wants to trust and believe in him, but given the injuries, given the lack of playing time, would you immediately insert Pulisic into that team against Mexico? I don't know. I, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, because I, I don't know if you had a chance to see Thomas Tuchel's comments this morning, specifically yeah, about Pulisic. He was, I, I don't want to say he was pleading with Greg Bar Baralter, but it, it definitely sounded like he was trying to communicate with him being like, Hey, he's not, don't kill him. Percent match fit. You need to be careful with the amount of minutes you're playing him. I don't. Mm. I don't see though. If you're if you're Greg, and you're looking at this game, knowing you're in second place, and knowing that a loss puts you what uh, six points behind Mexico at that point. 
I don't see how you can not justify starting Pulisic and then as the game goes on, determining what his his match fitness is. I think he has yeah. to start the game. I think this is the biggest game of the tournament, and they all know that. And I don't think Greg for a second is thinking about not putting him in that starting 11. I mean, he, he's one of the best players in that team. He's a game changer. And if anyone's going to be able to run at that defense and unlock something, it's going to be him. So we'll see how long he goes, but I think he does slot right into that starting 11. Something interesting too, I was looking at prior was like the other teams who else they're playing, right? Or at least directly behind the U S in the standings. Mm -hmm. Canada has to play Costa Rica who in all intents and purposes, they'll they'll most likely win that game against an older Asian Costa Rica team. And then Panama playing Honduras, right? Bottom of the table in the hexagonal. Um, So for the U S and their perspective, you know, they need some type of results. So I'm just curious because you're looking at probably two teams who are going to get most likely maximize their points mm-hmm. in, the, in those games. So do you think it draws as good as a win in this game? Hypothetic, like not, not literally, obviously I understand there's a numerical point difference between those, but looking at this game, are you comfortable if the United States comes away with, with just a point to keep things close? I mean, it's when you look at it, right. You want to win your home games, but going in against the top, you know, number one seed right now, Mexico uh, in the rankings. I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's the end of the world if they get, walk away with it. Like, you know, it's a one, one or a two, two. I, mm-hmm. I think if they, if they get a point in that and then you beat Jamaica, I still think it's a positive window, right? Cause you take four yeah. out of six. Um, you're still pro- most likely in the top two by the end mm-hmm. of the window. Um, but again, with some drop points in that first window, obviously the loss to Panama. Um, and, I mean, right now you want to be, uh, you want to be kind of ending that window with as most points as you can get. Greg has said that, uh, he said that last window, when you look at each window, they, they want to come out, you know, with, you know, plus minuses type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. you want to come out with, mm-hmm. you know, a plus six or a plus, uh, you know, a plus five, whatever it is, at least you're winning every window. So uh, yeah. again, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I, I wanted to add just with the Pulisic thing. I, I think that I think he has to start for this game because you hit it on it exactly. He, he's the guy that kind of unlocks defenses with his ability to come back at the ball, make plays, win fouls. Um, but I don't know if Greg actually starts him only because the fact the fitness issues, right. I mean, he's mm-hmm. only played what well, he only played, I think, was it five minutes against Burnley over yeah, the weekend, 14 Fifth, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. In 14 minutes. League. Yeah. 15 minutes against uh, Malmo in the champions league. So again, it's not a lot of time. Um, I still think he could be, uh, just as impactful off the bench, like a super sub role. Cause I mean, you're, you're a defense. You don't want to see Christian Pulisic coming on uh 60th minute, um, 60, 65 minutes uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, 30 minutes to play. So, but, uh, but again, I think you do have to start him because it, you know, this is the rivalry game. This is the biggest game uh, in the, hex, in, in the uh, octagonal round. Um, and, Again, just his ability. And that's no knock to Brandon Aronson or any of these other guys. But, uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, good players too and still coming mm-hmm. into their own. But, um, you know, I think Pulisic has to start. But, again, it's Greg. I mean, we, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's had some roster, you know, uh, decisions in the past that people uh, have nitpicked and everything. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, some guys out this camp which hurts Giorena is still out uh Serginio Dest is out John Brooks is is wasn't chosen so mm-hmm. um so again there's you know you're kind of under a you know a, a tighter microscope 
Speaking of the, I'm, I was curious to get your opinion on this and everybody's opinion. Speaking on like the John Brooks thing, the Sergio Dest thing, you know, obviously out for two different reasons, but that's obviously a huge blow to the back mm-hmm. line in particular. And when you're facing a Mexico team who has Tecatito, who has Rosado, Raul Jimenez, now back in form, right? Playing, I mean, that's that's a dangerous. That's a, that's debatably the best attack in Concacaf, realistically. Yeah. I don't um, think debatably. I think it's by far the best attack in, in CONCACAF, especially given all the guys that are falling in and out of this United States roster. I feel like every time it's getting released. I mean, um, I, Mike, I'm glad you brought this up because I was just thinking this. Is this, do you think this is a time where we see a complete shift in formation? Maybe understanding that the mo- some of the more reliable guys like the desk that you just said is, is, is out of the equation. And maybe he sees that the opportunity is to stifle them at the back and hit them on the counter. Now that you have players like Pulisic and the pace of Aronson and Weya in the squad up front, or do you think he just sticks with, this is what I know. This is what we're going to do. That's a great question. Cause for me, this game is about keeping it close as long as you can. I don't I don't see this game being like a three three overall match. I mean, even though they they play lightning lightning pace with each other, we saw it in the in the gold cup. I mean, relatively speaking, these games are generally pretty close. And this could be decided on on who's keeps their shape in the back a little bit better with the attacking mm-hmm. threats that both sides have. I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean when you look at obviously the Mexico um when you look at the Mexico's lineup, right? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with with your guys' opinion that that it is the best attack in uh, Concacaf. There are so many guys that can kind of beat you on any given game, um, you know. But again, I am a little kind of worried with this back line too, because like you said, John Brooks out. He's the veteran, a uh, veteran guy, big, you know, physical kind of presence in the back line. He's not there. Um, even though the last three games he's played with Wolfsburg, they've won, they've kept two clean sheets. He had a pretty stellar performance over the weekend. Um, Serginio Dest is another one, uh, his ability to get up field. So I'm kind of really curious to see how Greg kind of, you know, whether he, you know, how he kind of rotates the back line, who, who jumps in, how he, you know, how he kind of sets it up, whether it's, you know, three at the back, whether it's four at the back um, against Mexico. Uh, again, I think if you had, like, you know, if you had Des there, uh, I think then you do maybe go three at the back and let Des kind of get further upfield. But now with him not there, um, you know, maybe they go four. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's definitely going to be, a tough decision for him to make um, with this roster that he left John Brooks off just because of the champions league game. He gave it Brendan Aronson a nice little stick in the foot. And he was like, all right, you heard Aronson. You're not playing. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of uh, the omissions though, we kind of had a few that obviously stand out. We already brought up Brooks, but then you have someone like hop. Uh, You got P folk, Sergeant Luca de la Torre. Is, do you think it was wrong? I mean, realistically, we have one out now striker in Pepe. I mean, no sergeant, no P folk, just to name a few. No DK scoring right now. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the emissions, it's actually funny because I actually wrote a piece for SBI today that should be up tomorrow on 10, 10 guys. I thought, you know, emissions, how can they kind of get back into the hmm. into the fold? 
you know, not, not like the G arenas and stuff that are hurt, but more so like the Brooks and other players like that. I was shocked that DK was uh, excluded because again, he scored, I think four straight games now for Orlando Mm -hmm. has double digits on the season. Um, Kind of reminds me, you know, again, maybe of a younger Josie Altador with his ability, you know, to hold up play. He's a physical guy. He's a, he's, you know, a beast in the box. Um, Same with PFOC. I know he scored over the weekend, but it was his first goal in the past nine games. So, uh, you know, maybe form wasn't as the best right now for him. Same with Sargent. I mean, he only has the goals in the league cup and, came mm. off the bench over the weekend. So, um, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because again, you want to pick the, you know, you want to pick your, your key guys, your McKinney's, your Moose's, your Adams, um, you know, uh, other guys, Polisic, but you also want to balance the form too. Uh, same with Hoppy. I mean, Hoppy's only played two games uh, for Mallorca since he made the move from Schalke. So uh, I think that's going to be tough for him to get in there until he starts either, you know, scoring some goals, getting, some assists getting some minutes um he's been on the bench kind of now for a while uh de la torre is an intriguing one because i think his game has just gotten better uh Mm. in in the netherlands and um kind of reminds me a little bit of how julian green has kind of changed his game a little bit become an all-around midfielder not just an attacking guy but you know is is all around the box you know is kind of like a box-to-box midfielder um, you know, kind of setting the tone a little bit. Um, so, you know, again, I think DK not being there is kind of shocking to me. Um, De La Torre is another one. But I think when you look at, you know, PFOC, the form might not be there. Sargent, the form might mm-hmm. not be there. Um, Hoppy as well. Uh, the Brooks uh, mission, I, I guess I kind of get it. If, if, you know, Greg doesn't think he's at his best right now and and Brooks kind of came out and you know made his statement that he didn't think he was maybe at his best right now and you just kind of have to you know move on move on and get better for the next window but I do think it's pretty pretty funny though that he gets left off and then proceeds to deliver probably his best performance of the season for Wolfsburg yeah yeah I think Conrad is another one of those guys too we we talk about him pretty frequently when we're talking about the, the national team um but I think again, he he's one of those guys, kind of like Sergeant. While he, while he, you know, he has the talent, he hasn't been displaying it. I mean, he hasn't played a full ninety minutes for Marseille the entire season. He hasn't registered a goal and assist in the league. Um, I think since the end of August or something like that for them. So like while he, while he has the talent, I mean, it's hard to 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 not justify leaving him off the lineup at the same time. I mean, you kind of you games like this, you need guys in form that just purely how it has to be. And if you're not, then I, I, I guess I understand not leaving these, not bringing these guys with you, you know? Kind of throwing some tougher questions at you. If we're going to talk about the whole form debate with like the Brooks submission um, guys like Mark McKenzie, who hasn't really been killing it over in Belgium. Um, Legit was let like left off the last roster or the game day roster, I should say, based off uh, his performance against Panama. Uh, Roldan's in there, Ariola, who, you know, Greg is, has a man crush on, I think, but besides the point, um, is there, what's the difference between including them on the roster, but then omitting Brooks then at the same time? I, I feel like it's kind of like it was. There's also the case too of like the Georgie Mal. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Mihailovic. Uh, Mihailovic. Yeah, like yeah. I think he the, should be. I think he should be in, this, in the squad definitely. Yeah, he was another guy I had in my 
my list that'll be on SBI tomorrow. But, uh, you know, he had 14, 14 assists for Montreal this season and uh, recently did an interview with MLS Soccer about kind of his frustration, um, you know, not being – you know, picked on here, um, you know, that he's kind of done everything he could and he's, he's still not there. But um, but I think when you look at like, you know, the guys you said, the um, legit Rodan Ariola, I think, again, it's some, you know, some familiarity there. Um, I know a lot of the fans kind of hate it, you know, seeing legit there, seeing Rodan there, uh, Ariola. But again, these are guys that Greg, you know, kind of knows they're, you know, true professionals in a way they mm-hmm. they've been around the block and, and then they're not you know, the most glamorous kind of players, um, you know, with the ball and everything. But again, he knows what you're going to get from uh, Ariel. You know, he's going to kind of pressure defenders, try to get behind, um, you know, get some vertical kind of attacks. Um, you know, Legette and Rod- Rodan's going to, you know, work hard for the team and and then Legette, same thing. Um, you know, McKenzie, I was a little shocked too. I think, again, Brooks's form issue, probably brought McKenzie back in. He hasn't been playing in with Genk uh, a lot this season, but again, I do think he's got a lot of uh, potential and all. So it's, it's again, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how Greg lines up the back line. Cause when you look at it, um, you know, kind of experience wise, you know, you have probably most likely Miles Robinson is going to be starting as one of the center backs. And um, as much as, you know, we'd probably like to see a younger guy like a Chris Richards in there or, uh, you know, or, or McKenzie. Um, It's probably going to be Zimmerman. Yeah. That's what I would say. I'd I'd expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would expect those two against uh, Mexico just because they're the guys that have been playing all season. They've been playing full seasons in MLS. Uh, Robinson's stock has kind of risen over the whole summer now. Um, and then Zimmerman's also very physical, at least against right. like a Raul Jimenez type of player. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're both going to be pretty physical with him and try to keep him off the ball. And then I guess when you look at, you know, Anthony Robinson's going to be at left back and then uh, at right back, I mean, as much as I want to see Joe Scally play, and I, I really loved seeing his kind of development with Gladbach. Uh, again, I think the Dest uh, injury just kind of helped him get into the squad and get a chance. So I, I as much as that, you probably don't want to see it, I, I really think Yedlin's going to be starting it right back. Yeah, yeah, I can see that easily. I heard Yedlin that. was like the next big thing. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. supposed to be the next, like, Landon Donovan, but in, in defense. <laughs> behind, I guess, behind them and anchoring, you know, as more or less the de facto captain, you know, who are you thinking would be in that goalkeeper behind the post spot? You think Turner should keep that spot or should Stefan be the one who comes in after getting the new contract, getting a little bit more playing time at City? Mm, I mean, I, I like the fact that, obviously, that Stefan gets the new deal. Um, but again, you know, playing time's key. And I think Turner's going to be uh, in the post now for a while, uh, unless he does something to screw up, whether he lets up an own goal or makes a, you know, something, something that kind of haunts him or something through this window. But, uh, you know, and that's no knock to Stefan. But again, Stefan's not playing. Um, now Man City's knocked out of the League Cup. So that just means, you know, fewer chances for him, uh, probably until the, the FA Cup in January. So, uh, I think, you know, you got to go with your hot hand and and, and Turner, again, is going to be up there for, for goalkeeper of the year in MLS. 
Could you make a case for Stefan though, playing out of the back with his feet and being a much better suited uh, goalkeeper against a team like Mexico if we're trying to play that way? I, I could, yeah. I mean, you know, Greg knows that he that that and again that's what they do at City. They work out of the back. Um, you see it with Ederson. You see it with Stefan. Um, so I could see that case for sure. But again, I don't. As much as you know, and I'm a big believer in Zach Stefan, even when the whole everything over the summer happened, I kind of figured even kind of tweeted out that I said, No, Stefan's still the number one, he's still he would be not my number one, but that's kind of changed now. And Turner's made you know, kind of made me eat my words a little bit with some of the saves mm -hmm. he's made and, and some big moments, yeah. And then the midfield, I guess we could say more or less probably Rice itself, you'd probably assume some type of Musa. Um, probably McKenny Adams anchor, something along those lines. And that up top, the pool such debate we've obviously had, but probably Pepe would probably get the start because you know, obviously the thing with him in Mexico, I'm sure he will want to play that game and be up for it from the very beginning. But that right wing, would you do you think he puts an areola there for like the experience factor? Do you think he goes with Hawaii? I'm kind of curious the thoughts there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think the midfield again writes itself. Uh, Musa, Musa's going to work hard, do a lot of running. Adams will be just in front of the back line, and McKinney will get kind of upfield as well. Um, and then, yeah, Pepe, Pepe will be in there at striker. Uh, and then uh, again, I think you'll see, um, you know, if Polisic starts, Polisic will be out there. But if not, um, again, I think I think you'll see Aronson out there. Uh, again, he's kind of fits that same mold as Polisic where he can win fouls, get kind of drop into the midfield and, and kind of take on defenders. Uh, and then out on the other side, it's interesting because as much as, um, you know, as much as I'd want to see like a Tim way out there, or um, even, you know, I know Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe have obviously great chemistry playing with Dallas and, and I've, we've seen, Ferreira on the wing a little bit, uh, teamed up with Pepe. Uh, I do think Ariel is going to get the nod uh, if, if Pulisic's, you know, not ready to go right off the bat, just solely because he's experienced, um, you know, again, brings more of that vertical threat that, that Greg has talked about in the past and trying to get behind, uh, you know, taller defenders that Mexico has. I gotcha. Kind of get into what, um, well, I guess we'll go straight at, like, at Berhalter. What do you think, he's learned or, or how he's adjusted, I guess, through the first two windows and going to this camp. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, what he's learned, I think he's probably learned how to make his subs a little more sooner. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but that that's for another time, but uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, but I think that's key, right? Because, you know, you want to be able to, to learn from your mistakes. And obviously he got a lot of, of slack for that in the first window about making his subs and, you know, waiting too long and everything. And then I, in the second window, he got better at that. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously learning that, um, kind of learning, you know, more about these young guys, right? Because this is big time moments they're playing. Obviously, a lot of them are logging important minutes overseas in the Champions League and all these top five divisions. And even for the guys like Aronson and who and others who don't play in the top five leagues, they're playing regular minutes. So, and that's mm -hmm. something, you know, 10 years ago, we wouldn't say about a lot of the, mm -hmm. the U.S. men's national teams. So, uh, so I think Greg's obviously, again, learning, kind of learning as he goes a little bit with these players and learning, you know, more about them. 
Um, and I think, again, this is just another window where, again, it's another learning experience. Obviously, the stakes are high, but, you know, it's World Cup qualifying. And this is, this is you know, this is, we're down to the nitty gritty now. I mean, it, it's great to win the Nations League and the Gold Cup, but this is what you get judged on. Yeah, no, 100%. On a side note, too, I know obviously we've been talking pretty heavily about the Mexico game, but I do get the feeling, especially in the game against Jamaica, because I was looking at the lineup that they put out. Speaking of attacks, Antonio slotted to play. He's Leon back. Bailey yep. slotted, slotted in the team. So it's going to be a much different Jamaica team also that you're going to see running at you. So they'll definitely give them, uh, the U.S., uh, different types of problems, to say the least. So For yeah. sure. Yeah, Jamaica, you know, as – pumped as i am for the mexico game i'm really intrigued by the jamaica game because you know this is a jamaica team now that again they get their first win obviously the coach was on the hot seat they kind of ease that off now a little bit um they're going to be at home uh i know it's going to be a, a smaller stadium because only five thousand vaccinated fans can come but um but yeah like you said antonio uh, having a, a stellar start with West Ham this season, um, Leon Bailey coming in. So the big guns are, are finally there. Uh, and then you have those, the more guys that we've seen, the MLS guys, Andre Blake, always up there for goalie of the year in MLS, um, you know, some other key guys from MLS as well. So, uh, so they can't, you know, again, you got to focus on what you have, but um, you know, they, they can't take to make a lightly either, especially being on the road. We don't need another Panama slip up. So <laughs> if actually, uh, if something like that possibly happened, let's say we want to get a point against Mexico and you get a shock loss decision against Jamaica, Antonio drops a four piece on us or something like that. Uh, what happens with Greg? Uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's tough to say, right? Because I think earlier after I remember, I think I, I was on Sirius XM talking about this after the, the September window and it was asked kind of the same thing about the October window and it's like okay well if, if October doesn't go the way then what happens with Greg and I said well I think the earliest they would make a decision is you'd have to see how the October window goes see how the November window goes then make a decision mm-hmm. um for my gut feeling tells me that if they if they say they tied Mexico and they lost to Jamaica I I still think he's safe just because of the fact that I don't know who you're going to bring in. Right. Mm -hmm. I really don't because as much as you want to bring in, you know, an experienced guy, I mean, you know, who they, who are they realistically going to bring in? Because I mean, like, you're not going to bring Bruce arena back in. You're not going to bring Bob Bradley. Um, I don't even think you take Jesse Marsh right now with how inconsistent RB Leipzig has been. So um, I, I really don't know. Uh, it's tough. And Antonio Conte is off the market. So I, <laughs> not that, that, not that he come anyway. Yeah, not, not, not that he come anyway, but yeah. I mean, clearly he, he clearly he's aiming up an eighth place finish with Spurs, but. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, let's relax with that. Yeah. Right <laughs> but uh, what's up? I think that. If that were to happen, it would also be dependent on what the other results are around the table. Like, let's say, let's say it comes to that and it's one point off of two games, but you then you look at a, a Canadian team that maybe does the same thing or the table's so close and they're still in that top two, two to three position. Do you think that has a factor on what would, what the, the board would consider sacking him by? Yeah, I think it does. Because again, if, if you still, 
walk if if you walk out of the November window with even with the results you don't want and you still are in the top two somehow or top three, I still think again he's safe because mm-hmm. again when you look at the available coaches right now, I don't know who you're going to bring in um, to to coach the team and, and everything, and I still think that obviously you know as much as people you know, might not like Greg or might not want Greg in the situation that he's in. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's clearly kind of earned it at some point because what he's done mm-hmm. in MLS, he, he's known, he's known, he's known the guys in the front office. He's played for the national team. So there is some, you know, kind of loyalty there, but um, yeah, I still think um, it, it's really tough to say, man, it's really tough. It's, it's, it, it's, you know, cause it's nothing you want to really, talk about because you don't want to see it happen (laughs) you don't want to see these results happen but again it's world cup qualifying so um i I still think that they got to go out aim for six points they they can they can do it um i mean Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen some big 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 time performances from the national team this summer so What um if you had to change anything though tactically squat selection anything that Berhalter does substitutions um what would what would kind of be like the the main thing you want to see him work on as a as a coach going forward um you know it's tough to say obviously the squad selection is always you know debatable because of who's you know injured you know who's injured who's not obviously there's guys probably like there's some guys that I always still kind of feel should get a, a chance with the national team, Julian green, one of them, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably kind of probably be one of the last people on that train, you might, but you I might still die on that hill. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I, that's what I mean, like, I think he's come really kind of far along as a player. Um, you know, another one obviously is Cameron Carter Vickers, just because mm-hmm. I think he's had a really good season with Celtic uh, on loan from Spurs. Um, has been one of the top defenders in Scotland right now, so that's that's key. And um, I mean, he's playing every week. Mark McKenzie isn't, so um, uh, so yeah. So squad selections, obviously, uh, you know, pretty pretty interesting to debate. And obviously, again, injuries hurt, um, but. Uh, I, I mean, that's really it when you look at it. I just think that, you know, you he has one of the, you know, he's got a talented roster, guys playing in Europe, guys playing high level there, um, some of the, you know, top guys in MLS. I mean, so you should – he should be able to kind of figure this out and see, you know, what's been working for the team, um, try to get his best players in the best situations. Um, sometimes again, they do look like that kind of deer in the headlight thing. I remember being at the Costa Rica game and conceding what 30 seconds into the game. And I'm thinking like, Oh, here we go again. <laughs> um, but they were able to kind of fight back and, um, get the win, which was huge. Uh, so they kind of, for the young players on that team, you know, they showed some fight back. They showed some, um, you know, some backbone a little bit and, um, you know, got the win. So, uh, and that's what I hope we see more of, right? Because there's a lot of talent. Um, there's a lot of confidence in those players, McKinney, Adams, those guys that, you know, you see every week and they're kind of, you know, leaving it all out on the field. So um, now we just need to see that on the national team level um, and, and on a consistent basis. One more question about the squad too. Um... Previously, we had talked about it, and I, I was a fan of the Giassi Zardes call-up. 
last time around. I thought it was a good alternative to a player like Pepe, a target man needed with some veteran leadership. And obviously that didn't really go according to plan during the last window. And he wasn't called out this time around. Do you think that's maybe Greg realizing a mistake? Because, I mean, they enjoyed a fantastic time together at the Columbus believe, Crew a couple of years ago. I believe he's injured, if I'm not mistaken. Is he injured now? Yeah, he – so he, he just was, got injured? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Zardis missed the last two weeks of MLS uh, with an injury, which kind of hampered the crew a little bit uh, with them not making the playoffs. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan of Zardis. I, I mean, as much as people don't like him, the guy, you know, kind of deli- he delivers consistently. He had a good relationship with Greg in Columbus. Um, Greg really kind of helped him turn his – uh, career back on track because he was, you know, because he's with the Galaxy, and then I think he was, then I think he was injured. Um, so yeah, I think Sardis is good to have, right? He's a veteran guy. Um, you can't, as much as you want the young guys to get experience, you need those veteran guys, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, he's your veteran now because Altador is not going to be there uh, anymore. Some other guys probably, you know, aren't, aren't on the radar or anything. So. Um, but again, I think, again, that comes down to fitness and everything and, and probably Zardis might not be, uh, ready to go. And that's probably what Greg looked at with that, which is surprising when you think about it, because Pulisic's been out for, you know, two months, but mm-hmm. the talent level between Diossi Zardis and Christian Pulisic <laughs> is, you know, a little, little different there. So. Dad, anything else to uh, add guys? Any kind of final thoughts you want to look for a wrap up? Got none. I think we covered a whole bunch of stuff on the U.S. So, <laughs> yeah, very in depth. Just Good. excited to watch these games, dude. I know, man. Friday's gonna be fun as hell. I know. I feel like it's always a, a big gap. I always hate you know missing out on club football, but then you remember the United States national team's playing, and you're just right back in business. You know, yeah. absolutely, and especially against El, El Tree, maybe a little Dos Acero, and, uh, <laughs> and we, can, we can have Reverse a little fun this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> little bit yeah guys if you ever you guys ever go to to cincy man go check out that stadium it's uh it's gorgeous the the new the, the new FC, one they just built yeah the too. fc cincy yeah when i was out there two months ago i didn't get to go in it at the time but just standing outside of it it's like it's like a proper mls stadium now and uh even the cruise that new stadium it's uh really like what they have there and uh i think it's going to be it's really going to be bumping friday night it's uh it's funny, these windows come around and I'm just like, you know, you're at the end of the window, the window, and you're like, ah, oh, man, it's four weeks till the next one. And then just like that, it's back. It's like yep. a rapid fire nowadays. Then, everything. Then, it, then it's going to stink because then we have all of December off, most of January off, and then back at it for the, the second half. Mm-hmm. Did yep. we just play the Columbus Stadium, though? The last window? Yeah, Costa Rica. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, Costa Rica was there, and then they haven't announced yet where January's home games will be. Um, hopefully, somewhere close, and I can go. Or Not something. have to take a uh, flight out somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I like when I like going obviously to see the new the new stuff, but flying sometimes in January and freezing cold isn't the isn't the best. But fingers crossed again, for San Diego. Right? Yeah, well, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> It's better than being on the East Coast and going to, you know, Aldi Field or uh, somewhere <laughs> like that. Freezing temperatures. <laughs> big facts, big facts. But, uh, yeah, that'll pretty much wrap it up for this one, guys. Larry, thanks so much again for coming back out with us and just kind of, you know, dropping a bunch of knowledge and sharing your thoughts on the United States team. Um, where can everyone else uh, kind of find out more about you? 
So uh, you can follow me twi- on Twitter, lhenry019. Um, you know, always kind of spitting some stuff there, whether it's, uh, you know, Americans Abroad stuff, MLS, um, you know, Netflix documentaries, um, always doing stuff <laughs> there. And uh, and then, yeah, SBI Soccer is where you can find writing, uh, Philly Influencer for all the, you know, local stuff, and then Fox Sports The Gambler um, if you ever want to. Tune what, in uh, on iHeartRadio. What Netflix documentaries are you ripping through these days? Well, I only say documentaries now. It's just like I just finished the se- season three of You. Ah, yeah. My girlfriend and- has been trying to get me to watch that, and it, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Actually. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's nuts. And then um, there's another show that's out. It's called Midnight Mass. Mm. It's the same people who made The Haunting on Hill House so i'm very intrigued to watch it but i'm saving it for me and my girlfriend so i don't blow through it all in one day because <laughs> i can do that I, yeah. there's, a, there's nothing to do that day i can stay in i'm, I'm re-watching you as it is like you know like i haven't seen mm. it two times through <laughs> now i'm the same way man it's like it's like a, it's like an addiction at that point that's why I, I try to only stick to movies so i commit to like two hours of my life and not like 14 at the same time because I will do that 100%. Yeah. Have, uh, have you guys watched any, like, new movies and stuff? I went out and watched the uh, the new Halloween when it came out, and it was terrible. I saw really? The Harder, Harder They Fall on Netflix, and that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, was I just saw Venom. That was I got to see, see that. I've been wanting to yeah, see it was, that. It was, it was a fun movie, but um, this, if you're looking for another one uh, in four days, it's uh, Disney Prime Day. So that new Marvel movie, the Sang Sang Shi and the Ten Rings, I think it is. That's coming out in Disney Plus if you have it. Nice. I gotta see the Eternals too. Mm. Is that is that out now? Eternals. Yesterday, or oh. last th- last Friday. Maybe I'll wait till the theater dies down a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything else, fellas? That's it. All righty, all right. That'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito, Mike, and Larry. We're signing off.